Ooh, good afternoon. Happy podcasting day, everybody. This is Rachel Vote, and this is a Good Girl's Guide to... That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's a Good Girl's Guide to... So, Rachel Vote, right? Like I guess I said that. So, here we are on the podcast, and um, I just want to thank you so much for joining. As usual, if this is your first, uh, I really would love for you to find a way to contact me just to let me know that you're listening. Uh, even if you're just giving this like a review, that would be great, because then I know that you're listening as well. Favorite it, something. I get those notifications. Anyhow, uh, this is such a great day. It's actually really gloomy, but I just feel really good, which is always nice. So I'm really excited to talk to y'all today. And before we do, let's just uh, go ahead and get the clerical stuff out of the way, I would suspect, right? If you are getting some value from hanging out doing the podcast, then please stay tuned, of course, because they will be coming out just about every week. Um, <clears throat> we, 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 as in me, I don't know, me, uh, I launch them, I release them, I record them, whatever, okay? Free content. And if you love free content, and I'm all about free content, I'm all free 99, uh, especially when I used to be broke as a joke and couldn't afford it and think I could afford to um, pay for things to get myself to a better state of mind. I get that. Don't forget, there's so many options that you can get free content. So sticking right here or going all all the way over to the Facebook at facebook.com slash a good girl's guide to you can find my personal Facebook page where every Monday I'm doing lives as well and then in the private VIP page also on Facebook where you have to be 18 years or older and a feminine energy it's such a fun and secretive group uh, intentionally you got to be 18 years or older and feminine energy for a reason but more importantly you cannot find that group you can't search for it. You have to be invited by an existing member because it has to be approved uh, for you to get into it. But the secrecy of it is what's really, really empowered the culture of this group, y'all. I like it to stay the way that it is for that reason. So if you were looking for a place to learn about sexual wellness and intimacy building, um, just about everything really overall in life, of course, but intimacy is something that encompasses all of those things. So it's a really great group, free content happening all the time over there and ways to find tools and aids to speed that process up if you're interested. Okay. Uh, now, in addition to that, if you uh, would like to continue the free content series, then make sure that you're following me on Instagram as well as the TikTok at a good girl's guide to as well. It's all the same, easy to find, hopefully. Okay. And, um, most importantly, if you are getting some value from this and you're feeling good change, good vibes, whatever, whatever, uh, then don't forget that you can sign up to do the empowerment class. The empowerment class is a really great way to do like a, um, group setting if you are brand new to personal development or you have no idea where to begin you're just kind of learning about it then that's a really great way to do so because we do cover the five topics and there's all sorts of topics in your life but I believe that these five are kind of really very much cyclically um, connected to each other so we're talking about relationships we're talking about wealth we're talking about mental and physical being we're talking about your spirituality and then we're also talking about your passion as a reminder passion uh, we would love for that to be like what you do for a full-time job of course but majority of the human beings unfortunately they're not getting paid but what their passion is so what you want to think about passion if it's not your occupation this would be growth and contribution is a leg of that okay growth and contribution so that's great now if you have been doing personal development for a while you've got some momentum under your belt or you're actually just really really stoked to get your personal growth really moving then you definitely would like to consider the one-to-one sessions one-to-one sessions obviously focus on you and your particular goals and it really likes uh, allows for us to streamline the information that we're really trying to, to to get in your brain so that you can get moving to those goals that you want to so 
all those things uh, are ways to, you know, connect with me and continue this journey, basically. And if you realistically, if you're just somebody who does the free, I get it. I did it for years and years and years and years. And sometimes um, I was even intentional about that. Like I'm, what I'm saying is like I might have digested a lot of free content over the years, but I wasn't like seeking out that content until the last two years. So if you're just here for the show, I get it. And I just want to tell you that I love you. I'm so proud of you. I hope that uh, at some point you are able to um, find something that allows for you to scream from the rooftops that you're developing and changing. People need to know that you will inspire others with your journey. Um, and you know, that's one thing I always forget to kind of stop and think about is sometimes I feel like me, I'm just like a loud mouth who just uses every single type of single or a uh, social media platform to get your opinion out into the world. But I can't tell you how reassuring it is, is that when you get messages from other people, I read that book, I tried that diet, I had that conversation or whatever, whatever, like that's it. That's what it's all about. Cause y'all are moving towards a little bit more relief in your life. And over the last two and a half, three years, um, you know, five years total, it really has just been that for me and not even realizing it, you know, until the, the most recent year. So all of that just as a little, how you doing? Okay. Uh, today's topic, dude, y'all, I'm super excited about this, uh, because it was something that had been, that's not weighing on my brain, I guess I would say, but it was definitely in my list of things I do want to make sure that I'm covering uh, both in lives and both in coachings, both in any type of way I can, I guess, relay this content, I suppose. And I'm really stoked because it came off really well. So generally speaking, when I decide to do a topic, I don't always interlace like what I'm doing in a live on social media and what I'm doing in the podcast. But the subject that I covered in my live um, on just this week in my VIP page on Facebook, it was so well received. And um I got really great feedback. It had a lot of views. It had one of the most um, amount of women who were, you know, actually interacting with the live as well. I got really great feedback. I got requests for more conversation topics about this kind of thing. And so it really blew me away. And, you know, what's funny is that, you know, I've been trying to get back into doing some like notes and organization uh, when I'm presenting content because I know that I've been doing the squirrel thing and I don't want to lose your <laughs> your interest. And I, I want to, I mean, I, I feel like I am, val I have a lot of value to be able to bring to the table, but disorganization can be a huge turnoff for people. I, I get that. So my point is, is that, you know, I put all these notes into this live for Monday and I didn't even get through all of them. Um, but that's okay because, you know, the lives are, they're supposed to be, I would love them to be 10 to 15 minutes, but they often run through 20 cause I just can't shut my mouth off. Anyhow. Um, I don't know that, you know, it was a full in-depth conversation. I didn't get to say everything that I wanted to say, uh, or expand upon to hopefully welcome you on your journey of sexuality. All right. So what was kind of, I mean, absolutely intentional, by the way, is that when I titled the live, it very specifically said, I'm attracted to women. And if you've ever caught one of my lives on social media, what I like to do is I like to title it with the thing I know that's supposed to catch your attention. And then I like to do this little dot, 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 three dots down. And you could open it to expand it, of course, to see the additional remarks. But it's always, what will you get from watching this video? So, you know, Back in the day, I used to not even title my lives because it was like, well, I want everybody to watch because I want them to, they're like, oh, what is she talking about? I, I mean, I didn't know if that worked or not, but uh, it was almost like I felt like if I gave people what was in the title, then they would decide based off of the title whether or not they were going to watch it. And it was like, ah, I don't want you to do that because I might not be able to give you an amazing title, but I really want you to get this content. Well, then, you know, as you start to learn more about personal development and then you start to try to learn how to sell with integrity because ultimately we're all salespeople. 
uncomfortable. Uh, ultimately, I am in a sales business. So, you know, the thing that makes me uncomfortable, I was trying to find ways to smoothly do it or make myself feel better about it anyway. So I learned a lot about advertising. And what I really did, kind of unintentionally, but what I really did was learn all the slimy tactics that are being taught. It was an accident, to be frank, because, you know, I was out there taking these courses and classes and online availability, and I was watching all of these other people who were doing massive sales uh, in my industry or similar to that. And I don't think that everybody out there is intentionally being slimy. Let me just get that. Let's get that out of the way. But but it all is because all of the the catchy things and the draw your attention, it's it's all about illusion. It's like, what can I say to you so you'll actually want to watch this and pay attention to it? So that long-winded description was just to tell you that that's what I titled my live was simply I'm attracted to women. And it could have been, I mean, like the, the title on my note says evolution of sexuality because that's really more accurate of what it's about. But that's less <laughs> risque than if I was to say, what I said, which is I'm attracted to women. And it it's not it's it's not an untrue statement, but there's definitely not as much truth in the context of that statement, which is what draws people into it. Okay. So that that's why I wanted to say what I said because um I knew that that would, that would work. I knew that would work, unfortunately. It's like, oh, I kind of feel slimy about it. But then again, that's why I do the three-dot thing. And I don't remember what the other three things were. It was like for relief and awareness. I don't even know. But anyway, so what I wanted to talk about is, uh, yeah, the evolution of sexuality, basically. So... You know, this conversation um, about, like, if you've ever struggled with your your identity and, um, you know, who you think you're attracted to or who you have been attracted to, then this is probably a really great podcast for you. And if you get some value from this, make sure that you, like I said, uh, like and subscribe or share this. It's absolutely free to do so and it makes you beautiful. But most importantly, because you might know somebody who's struggling with this. And, um, you know, this is a very free space. And, you know, this is the first time I'm publicly having a conversation like this, as I mean, and I, I did in the VIP page, but that's that's private, right? I have had this conversation with my husband. I think it's really important to note. So, um, you know, I think that's important that you do. Like, you, you should have these conversations with yourself uh, or your higher power and try to figure them out at, at the best that you can. But a lot of the stuff that I had to figure out about this stuff was like just living my life. And it came kind of came to me like a decade after, you know, my experience with it. Okay. So the, the first thing that I want to expand upon is, um, talking about the difference between sexual identity and sexual preference. So this was a concept that was actually very new to me just in the last couple of years. I think I was pretty much using them interchangeably, not really thinking much of it. And I consider myself a pretty big advocate uh, for equal rights, human rights, um, you know, especially the gays. I have the equal rights symbol tattooed on the back of my leg. Uh, So it's not just about women's rights by any means, but you know, uh, I'm always open to learn, you know, I, but being an advocate, sometimes I think that I think I know more than I think I know. Right. All right. So anyway, my point is, is that sexual preference and sexual identity are different things. So when we talk about sexual identity, this would be how you feel like you show up in the world. So, um, the example I gave the other night on the live, so there would be, I'm just going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to try to say, I said this again. I'm, I'm going to try, I'm not going to try to give you any drinking shots. Okay. If you've heard it before, that's okay. You're listening because you like it. If you heard it before, it's going to be okay because you're supposed to hear it more than one time. So it really beats it in. You'll hear different things. So stop it, Rachel. I'm just going to go with it. Okay. So Uh, sexual identity. When you're born, this is like what you decide you're going to show up as. For myself, I feel that I'm a heterosexual cis woman, meaning that I was born with breasts and vulva and a vagina, and then I feel like I show up very feminine. So I I feel like my body matches the energy inside of me uh, in this current life that I'm in, in in contrast to how everybody else outside of me says that a female shows up, if that makes sense. Okay, that's sexual 
sexual identity. My husband, as far as I know, <laughs> is a heterosexual cis male, meaning he was born with male parts and he feels masculine, uh, again, as the outside world accepts masculinity, okay? So he feels like he was born in the right body. If I was to say to you that I was born with a, a breast and vulva and a vagina and a uterus and all those things, but I actually feel very much like a masculine energy on the inside... That's transgender. That's when we feel like our bodies don't match our spirit or how we were supposed to be born, okay? Uh, and then there's really everything in between, honestly. So, um, you know, that sexual identity, okay? And then sexual preference is the type of being you are attracted to, the thing that turns you on, all right? And so as most of us know, we know about heterosexuality. We know about homosexuality. We know about um, um, lesbianism. And we probably know about bisexual. I might have said bisexuality. But there's all types of things out there, okay? So this would be the what you classify yourself as being attracted to. If I say that I'm a heterosexual woman, it means I... Almost exclusively, I don't think anybody can honestly ever say it, but in layman's terms and the culture that we know, we would say, if you say you're heterosexual, that means that you exclusively like the opposite sex. If you're a heterosexual woman, you only like men and uh, or penises in this instance, okay? Uh, if I say that I'm a lesbian, obviously I'm attracted to lesbians as well, so I'm attracted to other women, so so on and so forth. And then again, there's everything in between. Now, um, the next thing I want to bring up is bodies, Okay. Because I'll just go with bodies and I'm going to go down the line, okay? So you need to find some resources that are legitimate and uh, tasteful if you would like. I had mentioned the other night, oh, I did say it, so take a drink, uh, that I can get you some resources. Pure Romance obviously has a lot of amazing resources when it comes to anatomy and physiology, but you can get them anywhere, of course. You just want to make sure that you're being careful and cautious about your type of Google searches that you're coming up with, okay? All right, but when uh, the more that I started to do research about anatomy and physiology, which is so much, so much more important in the world of intimacy than I really kind of ever let on because I thought I, I didn't really know where to begin to be frank but I think that I did a lot of emotional digging in terms of intimacy even though it was form that bothered me more in terms of confidence meaning like bodies like bodies make sense like but I think that's what we pretty much hyper focus on um, you know as a as a culture in general but I digress so bodies when we're looking at actual anatomy you know it it, it plays a huge part because it's function when we look at bodies, primarily speaking, they are meant to reproduce. That's what they're built to do. We have one side of the spectrum. We, again, we consider this female. We consider feminine, whatever you want to say, uterus, vagina, vulva, breasts that will develop in, uh, to breast tissue that develops into breasts, I should say. And then you have male body, quote unquote, uh, where it's really literally just that. It's a body that has a penis and testicles and uh, as well as sperm that will fertilize egg in the other body, right? So <clears throat> functionality is all that form is about. It's built to function a certain way, right? For example, I mean, like if you're just like needing, for one, obviously we already know that both Male bodies and female bodies have nipples, they have breasts, and one develops more into breast tissue than the other. But we also know that it's, it's totally possible for men to develop breasts. Now, whether well, those are fatty tissue versus muscle and so on and so forth, it, I digress, right? But when you look at something more specific like uh, clitoris, so clitoris, as I teach at my parties, that all we really visibly see on the outside of the body is a small, small portion of what the clitoris is and what it looks like. Because you can, I mean, this is newer information, by the way. So like, if this is like new to you, you're like, I didn't know that, or I don't know that's true. That doesn't sound accurate, Rachel. I'm telling you, like, remember that when it comes to the span of history, okay, when it comes to 
who we are, we're very, very new on planet Earth. And that means that what we know about planet Earth is new. What we know about human bodies is new. What we know about health and wellness is new. Uh, and sexuality is at the very bottom of the rung of that anyway. And then women's sexuality is even farther on the rung of that. So everything that we talk about in sexuality is so different three years ago from today and then even 30 days from now. Okay, it's always ongoing. Uh, but this is something that's really powerful. So visually speaking, if you could think about like the tip of your clitoris on the outside of your body as it goes into the back of your body it actually extends it's easiest to think of it like as a wishbone and so that those nerve endings and all of those things actually encompass your like basically kind of outline where your vulva is so uh, labial ellipse and things like that it goes in that direction down towards like your rectum it's a wishbone and so that's really powerful stuff because I mean not only are your nerve endings and pleasure sensory uh, areas much deeper and much more intricate than, than we previously thought but it's like the penis. It's like the penis because it's much bigger and longer than we anticipated. The penis just grows out of the body. Uh, and, it, it, and I mean, for most of you, you probably don't have one. And some of us, we don't know. You know, the penis is not always erect. So when it is not aroused, when it has no blood flow, it actually is ascended into the body more so anyway. So it actually resembles much more visually like a clitoris anyway. So you know, and I don't really know. I kind of think about the difference between like testicles and uh, and vulva and labial lips versus ovaries. But like, I mean, I think that ovaries and testicles are the thing that are more closely related, even though like visually speaking, it. It, it doesn't. Okay. So anyways, and then you think about the fact that uh, female bodies have a G spot, which is a pleasure zone. And that's about the only thing as far as we know that it does. And then male bodies have prostate and the prostate's actually when the body splits during, you know, development, it's not really at a different place per se than the G spot was until it gets moved and further in the fetal development. So the, the body is much more similar than we're giving it credit to, or that I think we're really understanding. And that's important. That's important because we're really not that different, right? Like when, and the reason this is, to me this is much more important is that when you talk about like we have this quote unquote feminine body and this quote unquote male body, we know factually speaking that anything else in between can manifest on a body, meaning that people can be born with both outer genitalia, um, both masculine and feminine. They can be born with neither. They can be born with a mix where like maybe they have, um, a vulva and labial lips on the outside, but they have testicles inside the body. Like it, the body just does crazy ass things. And we obviously didn't choose for that to happen. It would just develop that way. And those were skin. I'm sorry, those were cells in general and DNA. And that just happened. It just happened. And you know, it's, it's been around forever. And back in the day, like it was such a, a stigma and a shh, 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 hush, 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 we don't talk about that kind of thing. And then obviously it's, it's changed immensely over the years and it will continue to change. Right. So that's just one point to bring up is like, you know, a question that we're even having about people being who they are or wanting to be who they are or trying to be who they are when somebody else is trying to tell them, and that's not really how you can show up because your body doesn't match what, what you're saying. Okay. So that's, that's important because, you know, realistically, the reason I think that we can, we can struggle with that acceptance is, is because we think that it's got to fit into a box that makes sense to us. Well, we've only seen male and female bodies. We've never seen a female that potentially was born with a penis. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know that I can accept that because it's not part of my, my norm, okay? <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, so... um 
the reason that I think that, you know, we are where we are and it's going to be changing, meaning like my prediction is you can write this down in five to 10 years. I don't think that there will be any identity or preferences. I just don't, I like label wise. Like we're already obviously kind of moving there. Even people who are quote unquote heterosexual cis people don't always use pronouns like I'm not as a he, she, you know, sometimes they say they, sometimes whatever. They, they you get to pick whatever it is. And that's what the argument quote unquote is here is that all I'm saying is that you don't really get to just tell me that because I was born with breasts and a vulva and I have feminine energy that I have to say that I'm a woman or that I'm a girl or that I'm female, right? Like you just don't have to do that, but it's, it just rubs everybody else the wrong way because it's not what we've said and known all these years. And so I'm not okay with it. So it's really important that we're having these conversations because it will. And in five to 10 years, like you already, you already know, like 10 years ago, did we know anything about bisexuality? Did we know anything about pansexuality? We knew nothing about asexuality. We didn't know anything about any of these things. So it's so important to remember where we're going. And that's a good thing, of course, because more empathy means people can show up in their true authenticity and uh, being very genuine and feeling accepted by that and not feeling that to conform or when they do conform that they feel misaligned with who they really are supposed to be on the inside, which obviously causes low level emotions and, um, you know, fighting just the relief that you need just to show up as who you are instead of masking for everybody else. Okay. So here's how, um, you know, we kind of start to have this conversation and shift it a little bit. Now in my VIP page, which is an intimacy based group, uh, a couple months ago, I put up a statistic that was provided by pure romance. And I have it here with me because when I talk about it at my parties or when I talk about it in conversation, I always botch the statistics because they don't really matter to be exact, but it is helpful to know. And, but let's just talk about this for a second. So the statistic that we're looking at is percentage of individuals who regularly orgasm during intimacy. Okay. So this isn't about sex because sex uh, doesn't have to be a penetration. It definitely doesn't have to be an orgasm. But this conversation is definitely just about orgasms here, okay? So again, the statistic is percentage of individuals who regularly orgasm during intimacy. And here's the statistics that I have, okay? So we have at number one, 95% of the time, heterosexual men have an orgasm, 95%, okay? Uh, 89% calculates out to gay men, 88% to bisexual men, 86% to gay women, 66% to bi women, and then coming in dead effing last is heterosexual women at 65%. So just to, to, to recap slightly, okay? So at the top of the percent is 95, 95 with hetero men and 65% for hetero women. Gay men is 89% and gay women is 86%. 86% of gay women over 65% for heterosexual, okay? So um, when I talk about this at my parties, it's 444 where I'm recording right now, just in case you needed some angel numbers, okay? Um, so when I talk about this at my parties, like women are not really surprised, unfortunately. I don't think a lot of people are when they see this statistic, but we've known this for a while. We've known this for a while. I mean, at least I, I, I guess I can't speak to everybody, but I have because I've been having these conversations for almost a decade. So I know that this is to be true, but I also think that, you know, the consideration we have to take is that I think it was kind of considered norm. It was norm for the expectation of pleasure to be placed for men more so. Uh, it's also that women didn't know their bodies or have permission to touch their bodies or any of that kind of uh, priority. So it doesn't really surprise me that this is as low as it is. But 
the salvation in this conversation is knowing how we got here potentially because then it really helps to like put the pieces to the puzzle that it's not anybody's fault per se it just is the way we got here but how do we kind of rewrite this literal script so we can get to a place where these numbers are more even or they're where you want them to be I guess I would say so for example you know, we want to make sure that we acknowledge that all types of sexuality have been around since the dawning of time and human beings. But when it comes to, you know, our particular culture and environment, let's talk about like when that became kind of a hot topic. Because again, it's not to say that gay men did not start being existing in the 80s. It's just that in our current culture, the 80s is when we really started to have conversations about it or became, it was still incredibly taboo at the time, but it became a little less taboo, at least that it was, again, a conversation that we were having. And again, that would have been because of the AIDS pandemic that, that really kind of didn't have a choice to come out of the closet. But I think we're all better off in that regard because of where we are today. Uh, so let's talk about that, right? So if we talk about the fact that it was around the 80s, which if it's 2020, you can do the math. It's not that long ago for crying out loud. But then we started to hear about lesbianism and when, like the 90s and the early 2000s. And then when did you start hearing about bisexuality? Well, obviously after that and then pansexuality and any again, any of the other letters that are in the LGBTQ plus whatever. I'm sorry if I missed one, right? So it's just a natural progression and evolution because people are feeling more comfortable that somebody kind of pioneered before them a little bit to have these conversations or make these uh, questions become really relevant and important and discussions to be happening and so on and so forth that we could really start to acknowledge this. Now, why that's important is because when we talk about this number right here, so you got 95% of heterosexual men are having orgasms, right? And 89% of gay men but then 86% of gay women. So why is gay women so much higher than heterosexual women? Um, you know, and it's not higher than bi men, but it's pretty darn close to the same, same number at least, okay? Well, my theory is that because, you know, prior to the 80s, we didn't talk about homosexuality. It was a sin. It was very much in the shadows or whatever, whatever. We didn't have anything but heterosexual stories and scripts to look at for the most part, for the most part, right? In movies and music and media of all kinds and books, of course, as well. What you were seeing in every Tom, Dick and Harry's house on the corner was a heterosexual script. Right. We saw that men went to work and women stayed home and raised children. And that was just the way that it was. And whether you identified as a different type of, you know, sexual preference and at all, you secretly in the 40s, 50s and 60s were attracted to a different member of the sex, but you couldn't say it was anything other than heterosexual it was happening it was happening so anyways we have this script right and um the script is different for everybody but at least for myself what i could tell really kind of related to some of the women watching the live the other night was that you know if you didn't have somebody explaining really great concepts about sex for you in terms of relationship and intimacy and spirituality and so on and so forth you probably had an influence somewhere else well, i mean not probably we all were nobody was born knowing about sex and reproduction we're just not so you just think about your influences and unfortunately because I did not have a great conversation about it or uh, attitude or any type of thing along that line coming from people that I know liked and cared about to really teach me the right things I learned about mine primarily from TV TV and movies basically and so with free reign of a TV by the way no uh, no guidance no suggestion no limits you know I don't even want to tell you some of the stuff that I used to want to go but I can absolutely tell you that some of my expectations were of dirty Skinamax movies 
movies that I shouldn't have been watching probably at ages that I did that were past 10 p.m. or whatever on the weekends. You know, those are the types of images that we see. So I jokingly like to say for a lot of us, we thought that just being naked and grinding was like what sex was about. So we had a script, okay? And for grinding, you know, well, I meant tend to know where to grind and, uh, you know, penetration still looks like grinding as well. So it makes sense that 95% of the time they're having an orgasm. Uh, for, for heterosexual women, grinding naked does not produce an orgasm. You can still have sex, but it's not going to produce an orgasm. It's just not going to happen, right? So the script became our prevalency in terms of the expectations of sex. Men expected that they were going to have orgasms and expected that they were going to get naked and they expected that every time they initiated it was going to happen. This is making general general assumptions, of course, but it's just a kind of the the collective agreement of, uh, I would say, of the influence I had from these music movies and books. Okay, so... And then what did women? Women had the expectation that, you know, you didn't initiate because then you were dirty, that you didn't have sex with multiple people because then you were uh, trashy, that you that you couldn't do any of those things and still be pure or any, any of that thing. And in the same exact breath, you still saw a lot of influence about quote unquote slutty women so promiscuous women or women that you know ended up being the second wives in a lot of movies or the mistresses but they were younger and hotter and they got the money and blah 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 like this was the script that's being written for women that's it so no wonder you know you're faking a headache or you are 65 percent of the time only having an orgasm or whatever because that's the expectation you were presented you were presented that that is your life and that's how you will show up and that is you know just the way that it is basically and when you think a thing over and over and over so whether you're subconsciously being fed it by some type of source or you're analyzing what you think your sex life is going to be like as a teenager or fantasizing as a a young adult or whatever you're making that true that's your belief a belief is just a thought you think all the time so if you think all the time that the expectation is 65 percent of the time i'm gonna have an orgasm and the other percentage i'm not then that's what's going to happen because you are following the script that you were provided that's that's not your fault you've been rehearsing it for so long you've memorized it of course so why would you do anything other than that Okay, so give yourself a bunch of grace if you feel like you're in this position. It's really important that you understand how you got here, okay? And the the thing I think that's difficult about that is that once we can accept and understand that, I think that's where a lot of my clients are. That's what I've been really doing the last you know, nine years is trying to get the attitude around sex to open up a little bit so we can have this more pertinent conversation about, well, now we know how we got here. How do we fix it? Well, fixing it, you know, is a, is a little bit longer conversation, but you're already there if you're being consciously aware that this is a change that I want to make, right? So one of the really prominent things that I heard recently about sexuality was actually from a TikTok. Okay, don't judge me, don't judge me. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this was something that I'd been thinking about for a while, but I just didn't feel like it was my place to say, because again, as somebody who identified as a heterosexual woman, it just didn't feel like I could have a thought about this or I guess I just maybe I felt like. I was wrong, I guess. Okay. So he kind of justified like what I was thinking. So as I had, um, was watching the TikTok, I can't say because this person didn't identify like how they represent. If I had to say, which makes an ass out of me if I'm making an assumption, right? Is it seemed to be a, um, a masculine body with a, sm- a slight feminine touch. So if I had to make an assumption, I think it was a gay guy who was saying it, but I could be wrong, of course. So, um, His theory is that when it comes to sexuality, you just have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. And anybody who's doing anything other than that is having sex with people that they think they're supposed to. 
that made so much sense to me made so much sense to me right uh because again like now if you classify yourself as a lesbian you're really only supposed to be attracted to lesbians but how many times have you met somebody who ended up well you maybe you didn't meet them but you've seen an instance through a, a movie or a book or even a friendship or maybe your personal experience of course where you did say i i, I believe that this is me this is who i am right now this is how i'm identifying and then you change right it's it's hard because you know the um the the recognition that the community would like is that this is a, not a choice. It's not a choice. It's the way that they're born. And that is very true. It is the way that they were born. Uh, but I also believe that we were born to have a little bit of fluidity and things don't always stay the same. And especially now because things are becoming so bl blurred and, you know, whatever, it's, it's very hard to put a terminology on it. You know, just for an example, um, you know, like with my situation as I had titled this, what I had said towards the end of the live the other night was like not to leave you hanging in case you were interested and that was why you really did tune in was that my situation became that I was... I can't say I was in love with a woman because we never got to explore that opportunity. We never got to get into a relationship, but we very much cared for each other. And that was obvious. It was even kind of obvious to my friends around me. I mean, and nobody gave me a hard time when I would interact with her, which was really great. I did appreciate that. But this person really helped for me to kind of dig deep and ask the right questions to figure out because at the time, you know, I had said to her, like, I just don't know what, what I am. Like, I, I mean, I definitely feel like I'm straight, but how is that possible if I have feelings for somebody who would be considered a woman and she identified as a woman as well? So, you know, um, and the second one was somebody that I, I just wanted to have physical relationships. I, I was I was attracted to her. I was very attracted to her. And I could have seen that going someplace for sure. I, I, we did make out if that I don't know if that makes a difference to you um, at all. But it's the point is that, you know, steps had been made, steps had been taken that now I'm no longer a purely heterosexual woman. I'm not. But there is no identifying marker as far as I know for heterosexual woman that has one lesbian experience and anticipated having two in her life. There's no identifying marker for that. And there might be. It might just be like heterosexual with a uh, bi-curious tendency, I would suppose, if I had to put a label on it. But it's really not worth the conversation. And part of that is because, not because I don't want to acknowledge what I went through or, you know, the experience that I had. It's just like, that's because it's, it's just not important enough for me to make a big deal about maybe, you know, like at the time, maybe if I was like trying to tell a boy and impress him that I was like trying to hook up with a girl, I guess. But like in retrospect, that was just, it was just a really pleasant experience that I had with two individuals that made me feel nice about myself and I cared about them. That's what it was about. That was it about. So that really resonated with me, that phrase. So if you, no sexuality or sexuality, I guess, if you had to put a term on is you have sex with who you want to have sex with. And otherwise you're just having sex with who you think you're supposed to. All right. And so that was pretty cool that was pretty cool because when we talk about like going back to the preferences conversation right what I think is tr more more accurate than saying like I'm a heterosexual woman which means I'm attracted to uh, partners with penises or when we really dial that back I'm attracted to penis right that's not necessarily the case that's not necessarily the case at all what what it really more is accurate to describe is that you are somebody who is attracted to penetration stimulation you enjoy that and that's what it is you know and sometimes when people um, you know, you talk about, oh, she doesn't like, she doesn't like penetration, so she must be a lesbian. No, it just means that she likes external stimulation, and external stimulation is what 70% of vulva owners like. So, again, how is that a classification? Just because you're heterosexual doesn't mean you have to like penetration. So, it's such a blurry line, it's just ridiculous. It's just crazy ridiculous, right? So, to me, in my opinion, like, where this is going is, um, somebody had commented on the live the other day, she's like, well, yeah, when you talk about being attracted to energy, you know, that's what I describe as pansexuality. 
And I would agree with that, I would say. Um, for some people, I don't know that they... I don't, I don't know if they know what pansexuality is, but that's basically what it is, is when you don't have a person or body part that you're attracted to, you're attracted to the energy. Um, and that does resonate with me. It does resonate with me. And it absolutely is the same thing for sure. And what I'm talking about to me, I think is because I feel like I'm talking about everybody. Everybody eventually is going to be like this. Um, that's why I don't, I mean, if it'll be something separate from pansexuality or everybody will start identifying as pansexuality, I don't know. Um, but I don't, I don't know what it's going to, what it's going to look like or what the term will be, but it's definitely going to get there. You know, so at the end of your life, a lot of people I think will be sitting at the edge of the bed and if they had to recap their intimate experiences, a lot of them will say, well, you know, I, I tended to have a, a preference for masculine energy, but from time to time, I really appreciated a good feminine energy in my life. You know, something more along that nature, which can be, you know, maybe that was a relationship for three years that she had, or maybe it was just a happenstance, um, you know, one and done here every every now and then I don't know but I think that's kind of where the evolution is going to is that it's going to be an energy attractedness which makes sense if we think about it because when you when you roll back to that conversation about being attracted to penis well we know that that's not necessarily the case because you're not attracted to everything that has a penis right like you have preferences in terms of uh qualities and um personality traits and so on and so forth that you'll see in a partner so it's already really more about being attracted to energy we're just not really acknowledging that that's actually the actual conversation, I don't think, okay? So as the identity begins to blur, all right, uh, this is just a mimic, in my opinion, of potentially what you want, okay? So what I mean by that is like when we have the conversation about masculine energy and feminine energy, as we were kind of talking at the beginning of the conversation about bodies, right? A lot of people, when you think of those things, masculine and feminine, we automatically think of two different form bodies. We think about a man's body and a woman's body. Uh, but the, the quote unquote problem with that is that it's not accurate. There is no such thing as masculine energy and feminine energy in two separate forms. They're housed together. Divine femininity and divine masculinity is something that every single person has. And when we think about it, because that's like the woo-hoo-y description, of course, but when we think about it, we already know that to be true. We already know that to be true, right? Because uh, I myself, I like as mentioned before, I prefer to be feminine. I like to show up as a feminine woman. I like to embrace my curves. Um, I'm very much in this role, right? However, I have a lot of tendencies that would be considered traditionally masculine. I have a potty mouth. I'm loud. I'm abrasive sometimes. I have an opinion and I like to insert it in places. <laughs> um, I like to run with the big boys. Uh, you know, like I, th these are a lot of masculine traits. And when I was younger, by the way, I will say that some of my traits were very immaturely masculine like poking fun at people even like um punching people around a little bit even just like in fun you know being more rough and tough in that regard like that is considered to be more masculine but when it shows up by the way in a feminine body what does it look like right it's described as catty and bitchy and whatever and whatever but it's not it's not untrue by the way Okay, I can I can identify with that. I was like a shithead, but uh, but that's my point is that both of the spirits or energies or whatever it is that you're going to describe it as, they exist in both body or I'm sorry, they both exist in all bodies at the same time, all the time, all the time. Right now, 
this might be like part of that classification we'll be moving to. Like maybe someday it'll be more of, hi, my name is Rachel and I'm 90% feminine and 10% masculine. What are you? You know, and like, um, I just threw this number out. I'm making shit up. Like my husband, like, hi, I'm Zoni and I'm, um, you know, I'm 60% masculine and 40% feminine. Um, uh, I don't think his number is really that low, but it's just an example. Right. And so, um, the reason that I kind of, I'm feeling that way is because I had kind of an aha moment with my husband the other night when, you know, when I was just talking about these traits I had myself right it's like when you when things really work in a relationship like really genuinely are working like people can see it people know you're not faking it and you know in your heart of hearts it's like the best it's ever been you're willing to compromise you want to grow you want to mature you want to be for there for that person like it just is working right well I think that in my opinion the reason that this might be happening is because that person is matching that filled void of whatever it is that you feel like you need to be 100% of somebody if that makes sense like, like I said, like for me, if I said I was like 70, 30 or whatever I said for my statistic, right? 70, uh, 70% feminine, 30% masculine. But previously the masculine side of me, that 30% was all of the things that I feel like I probably shouldn't keep about myself as an adult, like being immature, maybe not working fully from my integrous point of view. Um, you know, the way I treated some people in terms of the, the words I used or um, the attaboys, like shoulder punch things, kinds of stuff like that. Like those aren't really things that I want to be known for. Like at the time, yes, that was my identity, but now I don't, I want, I don't want that. And so for him, he was able to show up as that 30% masculine that I really needed in my life. It was that masculinity could be vulnerable, but it was also that masculinity could be strong and could come from a place of great work ethic and integrity and still be a good human being. And, you know, very funny and witty and clever and intellectual and so on and so forth. All of these things that I really needed to balance myself out energetically. Uh, and I think that's what he does. And I feel like obviously I do that for him as somebody who is traditionally more masculine, I very much balance him out uh, to to soften those sides of him, I think. So, you know, I'm not sure if that's uh, if that makes sense. I hope that it does. But, you know, look at your relationships. Look at what what is it that you seek out in your in your situations, you know? And I will say, by the way, like all of the people I've been with relationship-wise or intimately, I mean, it's always been like a different walk of life, by the way. Like I know that some people tend to have um, – have a type and you can, you very much can, I'm sure. Uh, I definitely feel like there was, there was values and traits that I was attracted to in, in men. Um, well, in people in general, as I had stated earlier, because I, I do believe that both of the, the feminine qualities that I was seeking out provided a sense of something that I was needing to in my life. Um, however, I'll take around. Okay. Um, those were different types of men. So you might I mean like you might have a certain very specific type and you might have be all over the place. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. When you have a very specific type, it's like you have a very specific niche that you understand you're trying to fill, even if it's on a subconscious level. And I, for myself, I think I was all over the place because I had no idea what I was needing to really balance myself out. I mean, like seriously, like, you know, like rapper boys to BMXers to um, country boys to um hardcore rock like everything everything it was just bizarre bizarre and then ironically the person I ended up with is like you know uh, very pleasantly all over the place like very very variety very um cultured you know open to new experiences and so on and so forth and so maybe that's just what I needed for all of those types of people that I was dating where it was all over the place and I couldn't really kind of nail down the type of personality that I wanted to be with for a long period of time I got the best of both worlds and I had that variety so you know, it's just something to think about as you're dating, as you're in your relationships, you know, one, because are you attracting a certain type of nature of person? I know that prior to my husband, I was very much in a fix it mode. And, you know, the, the guys that I was seeing or trying to date were th these people that I felt like I could help, 
even on a subconscious level, by the way. And then when it came to this relationship with my husband, it was like I finally felt whole and complete from the beginning. I didn't feel like there was anything I needed to change, even though like, you know, insecurities later would of course pop up, y'all. But it was like the first time it just kind of felt effortless from the beginning. Uh, and it's not to say, by the way, that if your relationship wasn't that seamless from the beginning, that it won't be successful for you just as a heads up because it's incredibly pop, uh, possible for the both of you to do growing within your relationship and get to the places that you want to be. I just feel like I was um, very fortunate as a lot of you know my husband is a decade older than me so he's had a lot of life experience he was already uh, much further in the game when it came to to growth and that's what I needed was a stable stable partner that had had some of that maturity because in every other relationship I was always the more mature person um you know as a whole I would say because it's not to say that I dated all the men I dated were like wickedly immature they really weren't it was just in ways that I needed um I I was always being that person in the relationship so it was everything I got when I finally you know got my husband I guess I would say okay so make sure that you're kind of if you're if you're struggling this would be a really great conversation to have with yourself and I have this really far off theory I have no idea if it'll hold at all but it worked in my situation. Um, and so like when I was trying to like, I was like, I don't, I don't even know, like, I mean, is your, is your sexual identity, is, is any of it influenced at all? Like, is it all just like being born from the beginning or, you know, because of your environment, is there any type of influence that might be had on you? Like, and I can't say whether there is or not, but here's what I can tell y'all is that as I'd mentioned, you know, like I show up feminine and my mom was like my best friend growing up, you know, is she's who I spent most of my time with. Um, she's who I admired in terms of like on a subconscious level of being nurturing and wanting to be kind and so on and so forth. And then I really, however, although I loved my mother, I craved my father's attention much more. Okay, not really surprised. I had some daddy issues. Okay, so um, that's the truth is that I, I resonated with my mother, but I craved the feelings from my father. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Um, in your situation might be way more complex than mine. Okay. But part of mine was that, you know, my dad neglected me emotionally growing up. He openly favored my sister. So it's no surprise that I favored his attention more than I favored my mom's. But the reason I bring it up y'all is because like I had said, like, my harshest qualities about myself are the things that I really felt like were lacking or I needed to balance out or I feel like my husband does balance me out. Those were all of those qualities that I was seeking to get from my dad. You know, like that masculine energy I was seeking, that's that's it. So the reason I say that is because like I show up as a woman, I show up fem feminine because I wanted to be like my mom, but I craved my father's attention. So I don't know if that has any influence on the fact that I, I'm attracted to masculine energy. I, I, I generally speaking am more in a, in a relationship with people who are more masculine than me. I don't know. Um, you know, I think it was kind of it's it's kind of similar in terms of, you know, like like with my husband, he shows up a lot more like his father in terms of showing up like a guy uh, and he's attracted to women and he adores his mother and he's crazy about her. And she had a very large impact in his life um, in terms of who he is and because of who he is and so on and so forth. And so I, you know, I can't analyze everybody's relationship and, where you're at, but it's just something to think about. Just something to think about, which I know um, in the heart of hearts of things is that that is because of your programming. I mean, I don't know if you have to sit there and try to figure it out, but I'm just saying your influences, like your traumas, everything that you remember, everything you don't remember about growing up, if your parents were present, if they weren't present, that's just as important. All of those things, uh, you know, they influence you, whether it's for the best or for the not the best. You're like, so obviously, sometimes when we end up in a situation where things were tough growing up, we might have it tough 
tough and that might replicate into our adult lives. But for other people, sometimes, you know, it's their motivation to never live a life like that again. They'll do anything and everything they can. So they'll never be in that type of situation. So it still affects you, but it's more of a quote unquote positive manner because uh, it motivated you to the life that you always wanted. One thing I just will caution you as um, I have an amazing client I just started recently working with. Uh, she can attest, okay, she can attest is that sometimes, you know, that could be at your detriment because sometimes you'll go to so, so much extremes to avoid whatever that was that you do not want to be, that you kind of swing your pendulum so far onto the other side that however it manifests, it manifests. Meaning like maybe you put your wall so far up that you never let anybody in. Maybe you make so much money that, um, you know, you're still so unbelievably empty on the inside because you thought that the money would fix it and it never did. It, I mean, it just, it, it's it's always something. So you have to just make sure that you're working towards balance and flow in that regard. Um, so, you know, you just, it's not one extreme to the other. Okay. That's all I'm saying about that particular thing great so I don't even know it's just uh something that you might want to consider for yourself I hope this was like a interesting conversation for you we got to go in a little bit more in depth uh you know than I did on the live like I said if you guys have questions or concerns about my situation like it's not even a situation like I said to me it's like it's pretty boring when you really think about it in terms of what some other people have done or you know the things that you've experienced about yourself in terms of where you were I'll just say like that was college by the way like um, you know, everything happens for a reason, of course, but I would also say that if I had the opportunity to do over again, I would have probably pursued both of those situations a little bit more openly than I did. Uh, because in the moment, it, it's not different than what other people talk about. And again, it seems very shallow and silly, but I was struggling with my identity. I was struggling with my identity because I thought that I was supposed to be a heterosexual woman. So it's not that like I felt... Like, I wasn't embarrassed to be considering being with these women is what I think what I'm trying to say. Because it had nothing to do with them. And I don't think either of them will ever hear this, of course. But if they do, I want you to know it had nothing to do with you. And I know that clichely we hear that all the time. And it is true. I mean, I mean, clichely we hear it all the time. But... I want you to hear my heart when I say it is true. It had nothing to do with you. Like if anything, like I just mentioned, like I was incredibly attracted to you. I was incredibly interested. I definitely would have pursued it just to see where it went or, um, you know, not because of purely out of curiosity for being a woman with a woman, but because I was genuinely into you. Um, but like I'd said, like in the moment, it was just like, uh, it felt like more like something I couldn't have, not something I didn't want to have, like something I couldn't have because it wasn't mine to have because I wasn't identifying in that, in that regard. Like, I mean, 20 years later, if it had been something different, like it is now y'all, like where it just doesn't matter as much. It's more fluid than it's ever been. Things probably would have progressed a little bit differently, but you know, here we are. It doesn't matter. I, like I said, everything happens for a reason. I, I have zero regrets. Um, you know, that's what you, you got dreams for anyways. You can always make things happen if you really wanted to make them happen. Okay. But having said that, you know, like I said, it was clichely in college, but that was also the first time I really had away from everything I'd ever known. So it did open me up to being able to experience a little bit more. Don't wait for college. And then also don't think it's too late, by the way. Like if you ever have an inkling or somebody that you feel like you might be potentially attracted to, especially if you feel like it's reciprocal, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a conversation with it, you know, and if this person genuinely cares about you just the same way this woman cared about me, she was so open. She was so kind. By the way, I will also say she had a habit or not a habit, a history of dating straight quote unquote women. And so um, it was kind of just like known that she had this thing where she might, she might flip you is what it was. But um, I had always told her because she was in a long term relationship when we first became friends. And she had, she had been in this situation where her then girlfriend 
identified as straight. And uh, because of her, I believe, Russian family background, it was absolutely frowned upon um, very heavily to even talk about being anything other than straight. And so she had made this comment to me that, you know, they had talked about the fact that if they were going to stay together forever, that she'd live in like her regular, her girlfriend would live in a regular house and that this woman that I knew would stay in a guest house or something like that. And like, I like, listen, legitimately don't think it was, you know, that serious. But to me, that broke my heart. I was like, I don't understand why you would do that. And she's like, because I love her. And I'm like, yeah, but you deserve to be with somebody who wants to be with you fully, like 100% of the time, all the time. Like, don't settle for that. And, you know, like, just... <laughs> That was what I was feeling was like, I didn't think that I could show up 100% and be who that person deserved for me to be in terms of a partner. So I don't even know that I wanted to test the waters. I don't even know that I wanted to like ruin that experience. I don't know. But anyways, you know, like that's just me being empathetic, I suppose. I don't even know. But um, I still to this day care about both of those women. And um, I hope that they're doing well and wish them all the best, of course. So Whoo! That was quite a journey, okay? So y'all get out there and just remember that energy is energy and the body parts are just what decided to form in utero because of the DNA. Uh-huh. And pleasure is pleasure, by the way, which meaning uh, you got nerve endings from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. Don't you ever forget about it. So if something feels good and you are consenting uh, and you want to do it, let it happen. Let it happen. Just explore those nerve endings all over your body right so that script we talked about that's been playing out uh, as old as man quite literally right and then not seeing any shift in the script until the 80s 90s and 2000s and what is great by the way is you can flip on your netflix and you can see just about any story it's incredibly common to have a you know a, a gay main character as well as a supporting best friend it's it's totally normal to see transgender people on tv and um People who dress in drag now is totally normal to see mixed races and all of that kind of stuff as primary characters. Like this is such important stuff because again, the more you start to see it, the more it quote unquote is normalized because it is normal. Uh, but the more we see it, the more we accept it as part of our quote unquote collective norm and more children and more people who are like, ah, that is me. I do identify with that. That does speak my story. It's a good thing because then we're more open. We're more authentic. We're getting the things that we truly want and deserve. We don't feel shame about it. We're not feeling deprived it just it just works it just works so it is a part of the general population's growth and the development that we're having this conversation about sex and sexuality y'all so make sure that you are having this conversation with your girlfriends your best friends your family members uh if you're not ready for that at least your partner for crying out loud uh because look what it opens up to it opens up to good stuff Good stuff for sure. Okay, so I really hope that you got some value from this podcast today. It was such a pleasure for me to do it. Uh, like I had mentioned, I had a request to do more things like this. You just let me know what you want to see, what you want to hear, and we will cover that podcast topic for sure. Um, as mentioned before, I already started reaching out to some additional people and, and some of the ladies uh, ladies and gents and everybody in between that I did podcast with before to see if we could do follow-ups and so on and so forth. I'm really excited to uh, introduce those to you. So uh, again, if it's not my story maybe you've got one to share you can also reach out to me let me know if you'd like to join me on the podcast and share your story as a heterosexual cis female I only have so many to go around that are interesting that I might expand the conversation about sex and sexuality so you are welcome hit me up at a good girls guide to at gmail.com if you would like to free of charge you don't have to obviously do anything but show up and tell your story and it's just very interesting and easy to do very low-key conversation uh, that we record together so I'd love to have you uh, I think everybody would love to hear your story as well and that's that's, I think, really all that I'll leave us with today. So 
Again, if y'all got value from this podcast today, make sure to like and share it. Uh, sharing makes you beautiful. And if you need any additional information or support about sexual wellness and intimacy, don't forget to hit me up so I can get you added to the VIP page where you have to be 18 years or older and a feminine energy to be a part of it. It's a great group to be in. Uh, it also does provide a lot of information about some uh, aids and tools if you're looking to spice up or move a momentum around in your intimacy and sexual wellness as well. So yeah, as we get ready to wrap up, don't forget all of the social media podcasts platforms that we talked about podcast how about how about social media uh platforms that we talked about at the beginning as where you can find me uh super super excited about the one-to-one sessions those are expanding quickly i love it y'all i have actually um this important announcement as we wrap up not a big deal but uh, i actually have retired a part of my pure romance business as of officially as of today today is it today's the last day i can't even believe it um it's not a big deal it doesn't impact you in any way shape or form in terms of me showing up and being a consultant but the reason i say that is part of the reason why i retired part of my business was to actually open my time and freedom up up to um, the additional side of coaching and studying and getting better at that and getting certified in other programs and making sure that I continue to do these things that I'm doing, which I absolutely love. It absolutely validates me. It absolutely, um, you know, dare I say, helps you because I know it does because you tell me it does. And I'm doing the thing that I love. So it's just been remarkable. I couldn't have done it without you. I won't do it without you, of course. You're the reason that I'm here. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, as I tell you each and every week, because you really do just, oh, I mean, if I can just give you all individual little loves and hugs. I just, what I want to do it, I do it. But anyhow, um, we'll just wrap it up from here. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the podcast for sure. And uh, stay happy, stay healthy, and of course, wash your hands. Goodbye.